the naturally occurring psychoactive compound, psilocybin, is found in over 200 species of mushrooms. Despite their millennia of use by humans for mental and spiritual well-being, they have been classified falsely among the most dangerous and illegal of substances. Locked away from those who need them most. The Psilocybin Chronicles documents the individuals who courageously consume, collect, or cultivate these mushrooms to improve the quality of their lives. Won't you join us as we welcome the return of psilocybin? Welcome back to the Michael Meditation Psilocybin Chronicles. I'm your host, Eric Osborne. This podcast, as always, is intended for education and harm reduction purposes only. Myself, Michael Meditations, nor the Psilocybin Chronicles promotes any illegal activity. Sheila started her professional career as a teacher of adults and high schoolers for two years in Africa. She returned to Canada and got married and started a family of two girls, who she calls the most meaningful and joyful occupation of her life. She continued teaching English to new immigrants in Canada. In her mid-40s, Sheila returned to school to get her master's degree in psychotherapy and started her own practice in her 50s. She now is fully retired, just a few years ago, shortly after her marriage and partnership of close to 40 years came to an end. She now lives between Canada and New York and is eagerly awaiting the arrival of her grandchild. Won't you join me in welcoming Sheila to the Michael Meditations Psilocybin Chronicles? All right. Well, Sheila, welcome to the Psilocybin Chronicles. Thank you. Pleased to be here. Very pleased to have you here all week long with us. Uh, one of the reasons I brought you on the show is because of your wonderful personality. Oh, thank you again. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us if you could now, after having experienced the wonders of psilocybin, and if you were to choose someone from time in history to have this experience with, share this experience with, who would that be and why? I thought about that last night. I was giving it some reflection. And it's not a person in history as as, as much as it's a contemporary person who's now come into my sphere of knowledge and thus my interest in psilocybin. I think I would love to do psilocybin with Paul Stamets. Oh, I wow. I feel like it would be like going to to the black hole with Stephen Hawking or, <laughs> you know, walking a peace march around the globe with Gandhi. Uh, I feel that he, I don't know, I just have this intensely strong feeling about his belief in the the wonder and the ineffable mystery of mushrooms that would make me want to have him in my in my proximity as I would engage with psilocybin. I think it would be amazing to know that he was also also there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, he's an amazing and wonderful character. Um, from the mushroom on he, that hat he wears on his head to his... <laughs> his yeah, I, you feel when uh, listening to his lectures and his talks that he is, his connection with the spirituality of the mushroom is something that's that's made me clear about choosing this particular path when I first started thinking about it about a year ago. Or Did you visit his website? Yeah. 
she, listener Sheila got all the way to Jamaica for a Michael Meditations retreat without ever going to the website. <laughs> we found that out after the second dose, and we found it quite hilarious. <laughs> I, I don't know how that happened, but well, what are what are some of the things that stand out from Stamets' talks about mushrooms for you? Well, I love his combination of the deep knowledge of them scientifically and mm. his deep emotional and mystical connection mm. with them. It's wonderful. I'm used to hearing, not that I'm a scientist, but used to engaging in science uh, lecture or listening to anything scientific and the person being kind of removed from the subject at hand, mm-hmm. where Paul Stamets is, uh, to me, strikes me as a... In, intensely in his subject of of knowledge like yeah. I've never witnessed yeah very engaged very yeah very yeah he's done so much for mycology first and foremost uh-huh. um, but yes as well the work with psilocybin so much respect for paul and i hope to one day get to shake his hand oh i can't <laughs> believe that that, ha- that hasn't happened by now well we yeah. may we may run in similar circles but we're on almost opposite ends of at least the continent you know Uh so uh yeah i guess whenever the time is right just like this week it was your time to experience psilocybin it'll be my time to to work paul so let's talk about before and and let's let's go back to before paul stamets or roland griffiths or any of the people you've studied and you first heard of magic mushrooms when when's your first recollection of magic mushrooms well i heard the word psilocybin Mm -hmm. come out of the mouth of my eldest daughter i have two daughters and the eldest one is a psychiatrist who's done her fellowship at bellevue uh working with uh addictions okay and we were together one evening and with her partner she turned and said to her partner i think when i think i would like to try psilocybin one day she mentioned it to him, mm-hmm. at which point I perked up and I said, "Well, what what is psilocybin?" I had no idea what I was. And then she said, oh, "It's a mushroom that mm-hmm. that uh, they're doing. They're starting to do more and more explorative work in clinical settings with addictions and near death experience, uh, death anxiety." That tweaked my interest a little bit, so I went home and then just whew, went down into mm-hmm. a world I. I've never had experience in the, my past. Never had any interest, even the psychedelic illustrations on the Beatles uh, mm-hmm. album. I would look at and just, like, like, or anyone talking about their acid trip, or just didn't hold any interest. So, for me. did you hear of magic mushrooms in the sixties and back sort in the day? Sort of, yeah. Or people would say, hey, "Have you ever dropped any uh, acid?" It was all about acid, huh? Yeah, and my, no, I'd hear ma- uh, mushrooms. Okay, and, okay. But it just it was a sort of a context of conversation that someone might start, and I just it was never anything that appealed to me. Did you have a stigma towards it, or were you just kind of like not my thing? Not my thing, and possibly the stigma of tuning out. There seemed to be something about it, maybe that was uh, not running away, or mm. people. Uh, I would just imagine rooms full, smoky rooms full of people lying back on darkened couches, and and. It, lost somewhere it didn't hold any appeal mm-hmm. i don't think it was that i would think of it and think oh i'd be really scared to do that mm-hmm. i just think it for some reason never even piqued my interest so very very interesting that your daughter was the first person you've Funny. heard of psychedelics really from the very heart heard of, of yeah and from the very heart of academia from mm-hmm. the very heart of medicine mm-hmm. i say i ask her what is psilocybin uh, it's something that's happening more and more in clinical and not that she has uh, that's why she said right. no partner. I think one day right. I'd like to. So you 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 are an avid reader. You really dig into su- mm-hmm. various subjects, and you'd really dug into psilocybin. Yes. And how did it meet your expectations? This week, mm-hmm. 
could never, even though I came down thinking, oh my God, I think I've read everything. I've watched every YouTube. I've watched every interview. Well, you know, from one end of the gamut to the other. And, you know, read fully, of course, like everyone in the Michael Pollan book. Really felt like I was grounded in this and knew I was going, even though friends at home were, gosh, are you sure? This kind of, you mm-hmm, know. Mm-hmm. I really felt convinced that this is where I wanted to come. But would not have been prepared for the the actual uh, experiential factor. Mm-hmm. So how do we how do we how do we do that? You know, you're in such a good position uh, coming from the demographic that you're coming from. Uh, you've educated yourself. You came here, and it's not despite all the reading and all the videos and everything that you've been been engaged with. Yeah. It's not none of that touched it. No. So I think that when I listened, like I watched a number of interviews with uh, people with advanced cancer, and mm-hmm. I would see on their face that kind of beatific transformation mm-hmm. of, I'm not afraid anymore. Mm-hmm. And that I don't think I was uh, 100% aware of the depth of the existential, possibly the the my first trip, which was, well, in the middle yeah, of the Yeah, sure. Year. Yeah. Yeah, the first trip, which... which I don't. I don't know how to say, except it was I was being compressed into what felt like the center of the earth, and with a, the most minuscule shaft of light connecting me still up to the world that I left. I knew from being exhorted before we started, like whatever happens, just let it happen. Mm-hmm. Don't fight it. Fighting it could be. So I kept those words and trust. Trust the mushroom, and tr- this is this, and also going back on things I'd read. This has been going on for centuries. This mm-hmm. is pre-exists, you know, uh, even writing, and so I tried to hold on to those those ageless truths mm. as I was down in the center, under this dark weight, pressing me and holding me where I could not move, and I just visualized breathing through a straw up to where I knew there was a pinprick of light way up there mm. and kept breathing through straw and then allowing a sense of there was nothing I could do about a sense of just you know floating away a bit of like I can't control this there's nothing I can do except to surrender mm. which is I, w- I wouldn't normally know how to access that kind of feeling in my day-to-day life I, I don't I don't inhabit those perimeters of my psyche it doesn't happen and it happened there, and it, then after that, at some point, that broke a little bit, and then a wall of grief uh, poured over me, and 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 the deepest sorrow, and mm-hmm. and an outpouring of that. And I can count on one hand the times in my life where I've had like deep, deep guttural grief, mm-hmm. and. Maybe three, and this is this is one. So oh, I rode those waves of grief, and then I was spent. After I can only compare it to the feeling of exhausted. I was exhausted, and I remember the person with me, the facilitator Denise, mm-hmm. uh, just w- looking at her because that's when I took the eye folds off the eye, and just wanting to hold on to every word. And and I was deeply connected to her. She was like my lifeboat. Uh, my raft of safety, and her presence and her calmness and being there and was huge for me. I can't imagine doing something like that by mm-hmm, myself. Mm-hmm, I can't imagine. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's so uh, it's so terrifyingly 
alone that so I felt exhausted and uh, yeah the exhaustion of having given birth and I went to bed that night and the next day the integration and trying to come to terms with it but very aware I was frightened that the next trip would be a return to that but I thought look I, I managed to exist through it so I was aware anticipating the second trip after the integration the next morning and I was aware during the integration that people had heard my my that wall of grief that that came out of me that was fine I felt I was in a very safe space I did not feel what the hell have I released myself into with people that (laughs) I don't even know their last name and they're witnessing this (laughs) but that never impacted that Mm -hmm. didn't come in but I was aware of a building anxiety towards what was going to be the next trip and I get I Mm -hmm. was guessing that the natural wisdom was that you slowly go up you Mm -hmm. you you know you don't go oh that was really scary so I'll come down Mm -hmm. I knew Mm -hmm. I had to uh, but I thought it was funny because it was fortifying because I had ex- lived through it. I managed to survive. And I thought, again, the anxiety and the dread of what's next. But I thought I can survive it. it. It will. So, yeah. So the second I went up a gram and and um, I asked to be in the, in the proximity of Denise again in a different setting near the ocean and where I could look out if I did, even though I was under the blinders a lot. I want to remain under the blinders because I felt somehow, felt somehow that's where I needed to remain. So, second trip started, um, and it was, like, it was, um, yeah, it was physical, and it was exhausting, and I was gone into other times. So I disappeared. I said this to the group, but I, I disappeared into the small little holes and tunnels that you see inside coral that are just a myriad of tunnels if you look at coral. I moved through that. I was in escaping that. And then I was in mangrove root systems, you know, mangrove mm-hmm, trees. Mm-hmm. I was down moving through that. It could have been the proximity of the ocean, the sounds of the waves was keeping me in a nautical theme, I'm not sure. But I was in an I was gone, and then I heard well, there were men replacing in reality down by the mm-hmm, coastline mm-hmm. stones or making a, a cave or a, a you know a wall, a seawall. The sounds of their clashing, hammering stones became me uh, uh, building the Sphinx, like I was there in another time, and uh, very organic experience, very. Again, intensely alone, but not with that physical burden of the first trip, which was compressed in the deepest part of the earth. This was moving organically, and uh, the fear was there. It was a few times that I called out, and Denise came over and and uh, just patted my hand, and then I carried on. But, you know, there was one, I had to get up to, pee actually a few a number of times for some reason contrary to the first trip and every time I got up I was kind of breathless sitting on the side of the of the chair or the extended you know chaise I was on Mm -hmm. but I remember thinking this is like when I gave birth to it's that kind of just you know let me catch my breath (laughs) let me pace myself here move away just stay away you know and then she helped me and I went to the washroom I peed I come back lie back down and go, go back with it. Again, the end of it, uh, 
sense of exhaustion and yeah, like I'd been hollowed out. Like I, I hate these new age terms like reborn or rebirth mm-hmm. or saw the light or I didn't see the light, but I had a feeling that there was a propulsion moving through me that mm. uh, I've never had. I struggle with the language as well when it's, especially when it's kind of flaky. You know, we do our best to describe it and to understand it. And uh, I, I'd love if, if you could share with us kind of what you feel like came out of that second experience in particular that was so seemed so surreal uh, with all the imagery uh-huh. and being taken back in time. Uh-huh. And then what does Sheila get out of that that can be applied to her daily life? No question. I come away with um, a, a sense of my aloneness. Normally I have a deep connection to both my kids and I had with my mother. So I come from a history of very connected and I have deeply entrenched friendships where mm-hmm. I'm also very connected. Mm-hmm. There's no question that the sort of the hallmark of this experience has been profoundly alone and those connections, as much as I love those people, this is the first time I experience a separateness of myself from, mm-hmm. from, I mean, I've known it, I've read it, we all know existential philosophy and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I felt it. But to actually feel, I felt it. The alone is not not. No, nope. I'm assuming it's not loneliness. No, no, but it's the aloneness. And what? And what? What's the value in that? Where? What is that all about? I think the value can be applied in not in. I think I witness a lot of women my age who are mothers or grandparents, and they're sometimes overly involved in the outcome mm-hmm. of their mm-hmm. children's lives or their grandchildren's mm-hmm. or their spouses. I think this sense of mm. your absolute hate the word aloneness will allow me to put the necessary respectful distance of the other person being a totally different being from me mm-hmm. even though she came both daughters came mm-hmm. from my body mm-hmm. i can see genetic components but they are there is that and yet the amazing experience of feeling bonded to all life forms Mm -hmm. also came out of all of this was this in the second trip you you felt this bond uh towards the end of the second trip okay and then certainly the third one Uh, right yeah should bring it take us through the third one so we kind of finish so the third one i had had a sleepless night the night before i wasn't sure why but i did not sleep the whole night so i was thinking oh i wonder you know i was a bit wondering what uh dose and then i thought maybe i won't take a dose and what i'll do is try and be in the energy of the other people sit with them and then i decided no i will i will and i'll take a gram and i'll do it differently i won't have eye patches i'll sit outside under a tree by a rock wall with flowers and butterflies and situate myself in that perfect Mm. experience of nature and bonding and uh you will have to come back next episode to hear the rest of sheila's experience you don't want to miss it I do have a question for you and Eric that I thought of. And basically what it is, is I'm wondering what you guys think that psilocybin might be used for and how it might be used outside of this kind of standard big ticket medical sort of, you know, research based thing that um, psychedelics are going through right now seems to me like, you know, traveling to Jamaica, being there for a whole week, going through the the group intensive is super beneficial. And, um, you know, I was really driven there, as I'm sure many people are, you know, to deal with something that's very obvious 
in life, you know, one of these PTSDs or anxieties or something like that that's very big and very obvious. But I'm wondering what sort of smaller, more nuanced things, be it like, you know, a physical issue, maybe creativity, business, uh, you know, for, for all kinds of different people, what you think that might look like and maybe what that would look like outside the, you know, the legal issues didn't exist and, you know, people didn't have to travel, they could have it closer to home. Um, how people might utilize psilocybin for things that aren't just these items that are in the public focus right now. Curious what you got to say. See ya. What a great question. What a big topic. First of all, the big ticket thing. Uh, yeah, it's, that's, that's tough for me particularly uh, because I have never thought that psilocybin should be this big ticket item. It's pretty easy to grow, pretty easy to get access to. Mm-hmm. Um, the legal nature uh, of, of the situation right now is the, the biggest determining factor in the cost because it's hell of expensive to operate a business in Jamaica, um, you know, in the first place. So, like, that's something I struggle with regularly on this that just because, I don't know, again, I think I think that it should be an egalitarian medicine Um and that we should be able to apply it in the ways that this uh, listener is suggesting. So let's imagine a world where uh, money and legality are not factors in the equation. Uh, what do you think, Dan? What do you think we could use psilocybin for outside of this kind of, um, you know, very direct therapeutic application for the relief of PTSD or anxiety? Well, right off the bat, There are so many uh, physical things you could use this for. Yoga is a huge one. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, There seems to be something related to Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm anti-inflammation. And I know you've mentioned anti-carcinogenic. Well, potentially. So many mushrooms are anti-carcinogenic that uh, I just wonder if psilocybin might also be. Yeah, because... I've had many, I know you've had many mushroom trips where there's a big physical improvement in the yeah. alignment in the body. Yeah, I mean, this alignment thing we talk about pretty regularly, that that started happening to me about two years ago where it was just like my trips were almost more about my posture than anything, mm-hmm. you know, and I saw how that reflected in my emotional state and um, just kind of my uh, physical pain. You know, chronic pain. Um, it's almost like there's an internal guiding system that is realigning the body during these kind of uh, not vulnerable but open states. Yeah. And um, I know when I do yoga while tripping, I have such an expanded body awareness. Mm, oh, yeah. Oh yeah, you talk about nuanced awareness. Oh my goodness! Yeah, my my, my uh, qigong and tai chi has been exponentially uh, uh, the, the 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 progress has been exponential by combining that with the psilocybin experience because I can actually truly feel uh, these energy currents that run through my body, and so I'm I'm more able to. Uh, and engage with it on a conscious level. Whereas when I'm not, when I'm practicing prior to practicing with psilocybin, it was almost like trying to convince myself, you know, because these are 
Very, very. And, you know, with yoga, you know, we have a little bit different practice, but it's it's like in that like subtlety of that final stretch when you're getting just getting into those little nooks and crannies of your body, mm-hmm. you know, that's where like big relief comes from. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? It's like when you get deep in there. And that's mm-hmm. what this really, that's expanded awareness of your body into all your tendons and muscles and ligaments. Uh, it's expanded awareness and extended attention. You can use both of those and mm-hmm, mm-hmm, really mm-hmm. get into those nuts yeah. and crannies. What about, what about some of the creative stuff? And, and again, like let's, let's talk about what kind of doses we're talking about in this, right? Because if it's a half a gram, it might not be enough to really experience these sensations that are so vital to kind of that deep growth uh, if it's a big huge blast you out of your mind dose yeah. then you're probably going to be writhing on the ground you'll get benefit and there will be re- corrections that occur um, but it probably won't be you won't be able to engage with it to the extent with that level of awareness yeah yeah, if you want to feel like you are purging out your shoulder pain, mm. you got to take enough mushrooms mm-hmm, for that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But is there is there kind of a upper limit on on that? Like if you're going into a session, you say you've got this chronic pain that you want to work on, and you go into a session, is there such thing as taking too much? And how do you know? Is there taking too little? How do you know? What's kind of how do you find that sweet spot? I mean, you know your kind of general response to to Cubensis right now. So if you wanted to go and do uh, kind of a, a a body work, physical therapy session, what dose would you take and then what would you do? I would do five grams and try to do as much yoga as possible. Okay. So five grams is kind of the dose where you're far enough out of your default mode, ego enough that you can let the unconscious kind of run a little bit. Yeah, this is going to be a deep yoga session. Yeah, that you can be really aware of the, those deep subtleties. Yeah, that's what I would think. Five, I would think three, four to five for me. Um, yeah, yeah. And now in terms of creativity, I can think about um, times when I've painted while on mushrooms or sculpted while on mushrooms. Um, and similar, I mean, the dosing maybe in my in my past has been a little lower um particularly with painting because it gets confusing (laughs) (laughs) trying to like sort colors and brushes and keep things clean and not eat paint and and all that stuff um so you know what is your lower dose like gram two grams something like that uh whereas something like sculpting that's a little more tactile uh doesn't it depends on what you're doing but doesn't necessarily require like a complicated tool set you know um and i guess if you were more of a natural than me then you know you could get into your flow state a little easier because um, it's all all that kind of it's all reflex at that point you know you know your tools you know how brushes work you know more about the the techniques um you know so it's gonna be different for everybody but for me because i'm not that's not something i'm skilled at uh necessarily then it would be a lower dose um Whereas if it's something that I am a little more skilled at, like, you know, gardening is one of my creative outlets. Uh, and I could take four grams and garden five grams and, and work with my plants. You mm-hmm. know, um, there's a kind of a level of communication that we have already uh, that is then intensified with the mushrooms. So, like, 
you know, it's like heaven. Um, if I think about, um, I don't know, can I think, what other kind of creative activities can you think of that my a, a dose of psilocybin in the midst of would be helpful for? Um, Writing? I have one no. thing for <laughs> me for creativity. You mentioned flow states and... Um, <clears throat> While on psilocybin, your neuroplasticity is increased. Is that right? Well, it's more so afterwards, but yeah, during the experience as well. Yeah. And um, you also get uh, neuroplasticity with flow states. Mm -hmm. So if you were able to combine the two with uh, jujitsu, I used to do that. And from microdosing and mushroom hunting... There is a little bit of, um, I get tired a little bit more easier on a microdose. No. But if you're able to afford getting a little bit more tired, I think microdosing in jujitsu would be really good because of that expanded awareness. Mm. And there's a lot of creativity that goes in to. Yeah, your moves and transitions and stuff. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. Huh. Okay. And then. Mushroom hunting is a very obvious good activity to do on a microdose, at least for me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, again, I don't, I'm not really thinking of it in terms of microdosing and relating to this question because it's more uh, other applications. And the microdosing thing, you know, that's kind of being talked about right. um, a lot. Uh, and... You know, we see how it's being spoken of as far as applications, kind of creative thing. But I, I'm really interested in if we get creative people to take legit doses uh, and create while in the experience. It might be like after the peak or whatever. You know, you have something where you kind of something you can kind of go to and come back to, and you don't have to commit yourself to being six hours doing a sculpture or something. You mm-hmm. know, but like to go into your previous work, assess it, look at it, think of new angles. Yeah. You know, while under the influence, I could see that being really beneficial. And then in terms of like of business, which I think is a really interesting aspect in this question. Uh, one of the things that I have thought about and actually experienced is, um, well, in terms of team building, it's very valuable. Uh, people that trip together have a uh, much, much tighter bond, um, which for any kind of project that is pretty important. Um, and then also there's a little bit of opportunity to kind of suss out the people you're working with too. You know, if you're, if you are working, working in high level business and you want to vet someone, uh, I can imagine a world where, uh, not, you know, not unlike the Japanese and even American customs of people going out and just getting trashed on alcohol, Mm -hmm. you know, for business meetings. If you had business meetings that were psychedelically centered and then you could get some, you know, some pretty quick insight into the people that you might be forming long-term business partnerships with. That's a very good point. Um, they're trying to get to the same thing through alcohol. Yeah. But mushrooms would be a way more effective way. Well, the thing is, is particularly in business, you know, if you're, you're, if you're becoming partners with someone in a business, that is like a marriage, right? Yeah. And, uh, you know, you go out and drink with people and everybody can be all fucking buddy-buddy for a while. And that ego, everybody's ego is really solidly in check. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then if you dose everybody at a solid 
you know, five grams or so, um, then you can get some pretty deep insight. Uh, if you know, if you know how to handle yourself in the space, then you can get some pretty good insights into the people that you're, uh, potentially forming this long-term partnership with. Man, that should be so standard. Yeah. Well, maybe even for, I mean, think about marriages, you know, that's what I was going to say. What if getting married on mushrooms? I don't know about on mushrooms, uh, just <laughs> all that. but you know, like Courtney and I certainly dosed together a lot before we decided to oh, really yeah. pull the trigger, you know, um, because I mean, it's a huge decision. I made that joke earlier about the, the divorce rates and all that stuff, but like that's, it's a, it's a problem. It's not something that we should just accept that everybody's going to get divorced. Mm-hmm. You know, um, this is something that is a, pretty significant drain on us socially what it does to families and confidence and productivity Mm -hmm. you know so if you were to dose with somebody several times and you know if you take mushrooms with somebody three or four times and every time you're like man there's something there's something i don't like about this person there's just something a little weird something i don't trust well then you might want to listen to that yeah take that hint yeah doesn't mean that someone is like bad or evil or you know a lot of times people kind of get off on these tangents um, mm-hmm. you know, because of kind of whatever our condi- social conditioning is, but you know, you can just say it's not a good match. <laughs> it's not a good yeah. fit. <laughs> it's not a good fit. <laughs> Great question. Great question. Yeah. That was a fun one. Thank you.
hurt. <laughs>